I was not intending to preach this morning because uh, I was going to have just a time to interview a couple of our uh, first responders, the chief and so forth, but uh, I didn't get to preach last Sunday, and I didn't get to preach Sunday before last, so I got to preach just a little bit this morning, So, and then uh, we'll, uh, we'll still uh, have some question answer time here in a few minutes, but uh, I... This morning, I want us to think about the relationship that the church has to the government and to the governing authorities, to the state. So we hear a lot today about separation of church and state, and, uh, and our founding fathers were wise to actually establish that, and uh, it's, proper, it's important that it's understood properly. I'll talk about that for just a minute. But uh, remember, our founding fathers were living at a time when in England there was a state that dictated a church. You had to belong to the Church of England or actually suffer consequences. And then they also lived at a time when the French Revolution was going on, for the same time, by the way, that our American Revolution was going on, the French Revolution was going on, and that was a state that was denying religion at all. They were an atheistic uh, country and punishing those who were people of faith. So our founding fathers said we're going to establish a constitution in which the very first amendment says that Congress will make no law regarding religion or the free exercise thereof. So right from the very beginning they said the the government of America is not going to say you have to be a Baptist. That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? And uh, Or you have to be Roman Catholic. Or you have to be even a Christian. They said, in fact, we're not going to make any law regarding religious obligation. People are free. They're free to, uh, to belong to whatever church or whatever religious persuasion they want, or to not even have a religion. If they want to be an atheist, they are free to have no religious faith at all. And that was wise, because the truth is, faith cannot be enforced. It cannot be dictated. In fact, if a person doesn't have faith in his heart, for him to be forced into some kind of religious organization just means that he's being a pretender or hypocrite. And so he said, we will make no law regarding the obligation of anybody to have faith. But also, we will make no law restricting the free exercise thereof. So that was the... Uh, the wisdom, really, of our founding fathers. And aren't you grateful, praise God, that we live in a country where this is true. People are free to worship. They're free not to worship. They're free to worship uh, Jehovah God. They're free to worship Allah. They're free to worship uh, Hindu gods. They're free to worship any way they want to worship. So that's, uh, it's good. That's good. I mean, it's... To me, of course, it's bad for people to worship any other God besides the true and living God. But I'm grateful that people have the freedom 
to, uh, to do that. And we have the freedom. At this point in time, we have the freedom to go out and tell people the good news of the gospel. So that's good. I want to read two passages of scripture, and I am going to try to keep this very brief. But I want to read a passage out of Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. I want you to listen very carefully as I read this to you. And uh, it'll be on the screen. So, so this is, he's talking to us, the Paul writing this letter to Christians living in Rome. Now, Rome was the center of the government at the time that Paul was living. And he writes this letter to Christians living in Rome. And he says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Now, by the way, at the time that Paul wrote this, it's very likely that Nero was the emperor in Rome. And Rome was corrupt in many ways. And yet Paul understood that without order, without some kind of civil government, things would just be total chaos and anarchy. So he said, let every person, so he's talking to us, let every person be subject, that is obedient, to the governing authorities because the only way they can exist is if God gives them the authority to exist. And then verse 2, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. And so, Chief Dooley, that says, uh, uh, no, I, I'll wait just a minute. I, I'm, just, I'm just speaking to you right now. I'm just saying that this passage says that if I resist you, I'm actually resisting the authority that God's appointed. All you uh, uh, officers here, y'all are ministers of the Lord. Did you know that? Yeah. Did you know that? <laughs> you say, well, you're looking at one another. I didn't know he was a preacher. Well, not a preacher necessarily, but a minister. We'll see that in just a minute. But if I resist the authority, the Bible says that I'm resisting God because God has appointed authority. And if I resist, I will incur judgment. We had a policeman, a, a Ovilla policeman that actually preached here a few weeks ago. And he told on me. He got up and told everybody that he had stopped me for speeding over in Ovilla. Didn't he? Yeah. And he said, I won't stop anybody unless they're going 13 miles over the speed limit. So he said, I won't tell you how fast your pastor was going. So I didn't resist him. When he stopped me, I was very polite. And I said, yes, sir. And uh, he very politely wrote me a ticket. And I incurred the judgment to the tune of about $200 of, uh, of resisting the law that was established. And that's what exactly the Bible says will happen. If we break the law, we pay the consequences. Amen? <laughs> and, and oh me. Okay. So the next verse says... For rulers are not a terror to good conduct. However, when you meet a policeman on the road, what do you always do? What? 
Yeah, you take your foot off the accelerator, don't you? Yeah. And you look at your uh, speedometer or your speedometer to see how fast you're going. But rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one in authority? Do you want to not be afraid of uh, police? Then do what's right. (laughs) Just do good. And you will receive his approval. Uh, had a pastor friend of mine back in Tennessee that had gotten a new car. He's driving along, and he's just enjoying his new car. And he'd been driving, and there was a policeman behind him, and he'd just been enjoying that new car and driving. And all of a sudden, the lights came on, and he thought, what in the world? I was not speeding or anything. And the officer pulled him over and came up to him, and he said, sir, this is a brand-new car, isn't it? He said, yes, sir, it is. He said, I've been following you for about the last 10 miles. And he said, I just want you to know you have maintained the speed limit. You have done everything right. And he said, I just want to shake your hand. And I just want to tell you, thank you for keeping the law. And he said, of course, his heart nearly sunk whenever he stopped him. But he said, well, now that was amazing. That he actually stopped me and gave me a word of approval for doing good. I don't know if y'all do that sometimes, but uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I know back in Mississippi one time we were living there, there were the police in this one town, I can't remember the name of the town now, uh, was stopping everybody that came through town and giving them an ice cream cone. I wish I'd have known about it. I'd have gone through that town several times. <laughs> so, uh, so if you don't want to be afraid, just do right. Do the right thing. You'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant. There you go, guys and ladies. Uh, God, you're God's servant. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. Now, you don't carry swords now, but you carry a, a weapon. And you do not carry it in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore... One must be in subjection. So that's saying to us, we've got to obey. Not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So we can go to bed at night and say, I did the right thing today. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. How do you guys get paid? Yeah, taxes pay your salary. Yeah, the, you know, we don't take up an offering here in the church and take it down to the police department, do we? Or the fire department and say, well, here's, no, we pay our taxes. And that's what he says happens here. And the next verse, pay to all what is owed to them. Pay taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom honor is owed. All right, and then one other verse, one other passage. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. First of all, I mean, this is important. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions. Why? Why? in order that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. 
All right? Now, with those two passages in mind, I want you to use your imagination. I want you to picture here two big circles. Here's a circle over here, and we're going to call this circle the state or governing authorities. There's another circle over here, and we're going to call this circle the church. Now, I want you to know that both of them are ordained of God. And if we want to draw a third circle, we would draw a third circle, a great big circle up above both of them, and that circle is just God. And God is over the state, and he gives the state certain responsibilities, and he's over the church, and he gives the church certain responsibilities. Let's start with what he tells us to do. So what are our responsibilities? Well, our responsibility is to share some good news with everybody in the world. We are to tell all people everywhere that no matter how their heart is broken, no matter how their life is messed up, no matter how many their hopes are crushed, no matter how their home is falling apart, no matter what, there is some good news, and that is that God loves them and Jesus Christ, God's Son, died on the cross to pay for their sin and to give them a new start and a new heart, a new, a new life. That's our message. Our message is not shaming people. It's not judging people. It's not going out into the world and telling everybody, you ought to be ashamed of what you're doing. No, that's, that's not our business at all. That's not our message. Our message is not to look at people and, and judge them as if we're better. Our message is to say, we are sinners too. And we have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And we're to tell that to everybody. And whether it's the highest office in the land or if it's a person in the lowest place in the land. If it's a person who thinks they have it all together or if it's a person who knows that they have lost it all. We have one message and that's the message of God's love and God's grace and that by faith anyone can receive it. And that's our message. Now, our command, see, that's our commission, is to make disciples everywhere. But our command is even simpler than that. It is just simply to love. Our command is to love God, and that's what we do with our whole life, and it's what we corporately do when we gather together here on Sundays. Didn't you enjoy singing those songs a while ago? Boy, didn't you love singing... Our sins, they were many, but his mercy is more. Isn't that great? And so we worship. We come together here on Sundays, and we just say, God, we love you so much. We love you because you loved us, and you love us. And you're great, and you're marvelous, and you're magnificent, and you're worthy. And we bow before you and say, we love you. But the second part of that commandment is then we love other people. We love people. And the Bible says if a man says that he loves God and he doesn't love people, he's just talking. He's not even telling the truth. Because we can't 
The Bible says that if, if we say we love God whom we haven't seen, then we show that by loving people that we do see. And that's our, that's our command, to love people. Yesterday, we were prayer walking here in the community, here in the neighborhood. As I was just walking by house after house after house, I was just praying and saying, God, bring peace to the people in this house. God, bring love to people in this house. God, bring joy to people in this house. And move on to the next house and to the next house and to the next house. Realizing that every house here in Glen Heights houses a family that's facing challenges and struggles and are desperately in need of God's peace and God's love and God's joy. And we just pray. And every Saturday, this coming Saturday, Tracy... This coming Saturday, we have one more Saturday. We're going to be prayer walking this next Saturday, 9 o'clock. Just come, and we just walk walk through our neighborhoods, and we just pray for the families here in Glen Heights and for an opportunity to demonstrate our love for them, not just to talk about it. And uh, so that's the responsibility of the church. Now, what about the state? God is over the state, too. And God says, all right, to the civil government, I'm giving some authority. Why do we need Why do we need government? Why do we need civil authority? Why do we need a police department? Why do we need a, a fire department? Why do we need a city hall? Why do we need government at all? Well, why? For order? For law and order. So, so what's the responsibility of the state? You know, if we were to look at our, our Constitution, I know that all of you memorized this when you were in school probably, and uh, uh, I could ask Austin to just stand up and quote it for us. I'm sure he knows it. He was just talking to me about why school is so important. Or that wasn't what you said, was it? You were saying, I'm not sure why school is important or something like that. But uh, the preamble to our Constitution says, We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, we do these things. We establish justice. We ensure domestic tranquility, peace. We ensure some sense of order. Provide for the common defense. There you go. Promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity, to our children. That's why we ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States. So what does the, what does the state have as a responsibility? Well, for one thing, to provide for uh, protection. And today we're saying to our police department, we appreciate you. We are so grateful that we have right here in Glen Heights those who realize that it's their God-given responsibility to provide protection and law and order 
in our community, in our state. So they, and, and so to provide for uh, law and order, and then to provide services to the community, services that do give us protection and defense. And again, uh, how many of you on the fire department? Which ones? All of you wearing the same general color. All right, got our fireman right here on the front. Uh, to know that there are those who are trained, equipped, and prepared to come at a moment's notice to help not just if a house is on fire, but if someone's having a heart attack or if someone is uh, uh, having some other medical emergency. And uh, sure, all of the fire firemen have had, what, EMT training at least and some paramedic. Is that right? And uh, I know when I was on the volunteer fire department in Ovilla, the training that we got was very, very good training. And uh, uh, doing ambulance ride outs and working in emergency rooms at the hospital to prepare us for any kind of emergency. And I just am so grateful for our first responders, the fire department, the police, who are the first to get to an emergency situation and provide the assistance and the protection that's needed. So, again, thank you to all of you. Yeah. So the state's responsibility is to uh, provide protection, to provide services, different kinds of services in our community, to uh, establish justice, to, uh, to have laws that are made, and then when people break those laws, they are actually uh, brought to justice for, for those laws. We are, our granddaughter and her husband's house was broken into over in Midlothian just a uh, week before last, and uh, they stole some items from his home. He stole our great-granddaughter's piggy bank. That really made me mad. <clears throat> and uh, thankfully, they have found uh, the two men who did it, and they've arrested them, and they are now incarcerated. So we're grateful for that. But there are other responsibilities that the state has, but those are the, the main things. Now let me ask, what responsibility does the state have to the church? And I actually couldn't think of any. The state does not really owe the church specifically anything except what gives to all people in general. So, as a citizen, we receive from the state, whether we're a Christian or not, doesn't matter. And when the officers are called to a home, they don't ask, are you a Christian? It's not the state's responsibility to preach the gospel. It's not the state's responsibility to love their neighbor. I mean, it's okay if you do, but it's, that's your responsibility is to affect law and order. But what is the church's responsibility to the state? We do have responsibility to the state. And the Bible simply says it is to be subject to them and to pray for them. Those are the two main things. 
We are to be good citizens. As a matter of fact, every Christian should be a very good citizen. Shouldn't ever speed, but if we do, we should pay the ticket, right? And But we ought to be model citizens, but we're to pray for our governing authorities. That's exactly what this passage said, to pray for all those who are in authority and to be subject to them. So this morning, that's what we want to do. We want to pray for our first responders. But first of all, now I'll let you come on up here. Uh, Chief Dooley, what's your first name? Vernell. Vernell. Everybody calls me Dooley. Dooley, okay, all right. Dooley, just like the... There we go. There you go. Dooley, just like the truck. Just like the truck, all right. Somebody asked me if you were related to Tom. Get that all the time. I bet you do. No. I said, we'll see if he's hanging his no, head down no, when he comes yeah, in exactly, this morning. Exactly, exactly. All right. So. I want you to just take a minute and sure. kind of introduce yourself. Tell us, how did you get into uh, police work? Okay, okay. I'll, I'll start with that. Um, as far as how I got into police work, it was really interesting. I didn't grow up, you know, as a young child, always wanting to be a police officer. I actually went to college, started working at a bank after college and in walks a police officer and uh, we start talking about his day and his day was so much more fulfilling than the day I was having (laughs) working on investments and mutual funds and things Uh like that and I said you know what I think I want to do more with my life and I Uh think I want to just give a life of sacrifice Uh so I went home talked to the wife consulted with her and I said I'm going to go ahead and join the police department and at the time I was working uh, living in Denton And so I got on with the Denton Police Department, spent about 12 years up there, and then an opportunity came for me to come down here to Glen Heights, and uh, it's been the best decision of my life. Amen. Uh, We're glad that that you you. ended up here. Yes, glad to be here. That's good. And uh, uh, could could we get just the names of the other officers and and policemen and the firemen that are here? Corporal Cheney in the back, Thomas Cheney. All right. Officer Emilia Ramirez. Uh-huh. Officer Vanessa Illingworth. Good. And I'm going to pass the mic. Chad Moore, captain with the Glen Heights Fire Department. All right. Chris Romero, uh, firefighter. Okay, good deal. Jeremy Hennessy, firefighter. Justin Graham, firefighter. Good. All right. All right, thank you so much. We just appreciate you. And uh, by the way, all of you are invited to stay for lunch if you can. And I hope you do if you can because our ladies have made so much food. Quite a bit. Quite 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 a bit. Quite quite a bit. bit. And uh, and I told Chief Dooley that he has to eat whatever y'all don't. uh, It's going to be a long day at the gym tomorrow. That's right. I can make it work. Uh, (laughs) uh, I do know that being a... And law enforcement right mm-hmm. now has some very, very special challenges. I know yes. that it seems like there's a, a greater negative attitude toward law enforcement, generally speaking, across the country than, uh, than maybe I remember in my that lifetime. Is the, that is the perception. Okay. That is the perception. It is a very difficult time for us to be in law enforcement right now because of some of that negative attitude. But what you don't see is the positive encouragement, just like today. Mm-hmm. And, and just just the the overflowing love that we're receiving from the community on a daily basis. Amen. You know, when I started in this profession, 
I'd go to the you know convenience store to get myself a, a drink, and I really wouldn't have anybody come up and say, "Hey, thank you for your mm-hmm. service." Now I go to the convenience store. I have at least one or two people come up and say, "Thank you for your service." And, and so, so it really that that is happening. It's happening. May not be reported, mm-hmm. but it's happening. Yeah. And, and so, um, and really, you know, I, I want to say this real quick. Um, it is hard for us in law enforcement right now. We're, we're kind of hurting, though. Mm-hmm. We are hurting. You see this morning band on my badge. This is in remembrance of uh, Fort Worth Officer Hull, mm-hmm. who passed away a few days ago. And, and I want to say this. I, I didn't know this individual. I didn't know Officer Hull, but I knew him. And let me explain. There are officers all across the country that do exactly what he did on a daily basis. He woke up that morning with the intention of going to get a very bad individual, a group of very bad individuals that were committing robberies, multiple robberies in the city of Fort Worth. And he left his home that morning with the complete intention of returning home to his family and his kids. And he, he didn't do that. And when I see his picture, I think of my police department. I think about police departments all over the country. We all have our officer halls. We are the individual. We all go out each and every day with the intention of returning home and taking care of what we need to do during the day by serving the community. And so I just, you know, I know we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, how you guys can support us, but please keep him and, and his family and your prayers each and every day, Amen. each and every day. All right. Thank you. And uh, I just now I'm, I'm grateful for Glenn Heights. Yes, I'm sir. grateful for uh, our mayor, our city council, and, and yes. for all of the people in our and in, in, in authority in, mm-hmm. in Heights. And I know there's some some things I I know you're working on the highway. If somebody's working on the road, we're, out work, here, we're doing a lot of work here. Hallelujah for that yes, too. Yes, we're doing <laughs> so, a lot of work. Uh, yes. Uh, any particular things coming up from the police department's perspective that we uh, quite a few things. Um, so, 2016, there was a bond approved to provide funds for a public safety building, joint police and fire. And since then, you know, we've been making progress. Not as much progress as we'd like to have mm-hmm. made, but progress towards that building. And uh, that's on the horizon. We strongly believe that that building will come soon. Okay. okay. So that's Good. one thing. As far as the infrastructure, the roads, and I, I can't really speak to that too much. <laughs> I'm not the city manager, not the public works director. But I will say this. You can definitely feel a change in Glen Heights in the last year. Mm-hmm. They're, they've been talking about things, and now things are actually getting done. And, and that is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so in regards specifically to the police department, uh, we are transforming our department from the ground up. We are rebranding. We, we have new badges. We have new patches. We have new vehicles uh, with new graphics, all in an effort to become more professional. Great. You know, I was always raised, you look good, you feel good, you play good. You know, and the reason I say that is when you play good, you go out there and you treat the community with respect on each and every call. Mm-hmm. You know, you may have heard this term community policing like it's something different than regular policing. No, community policing is just policing. It's just treating everyone you interact with like they're a human. Mm-hmm. You treat them with respect and dignity and you give them a voice in the interaction that you have with them. That is truly policing. And you, you solve the problem. Right. Uh, Friday, 
you may have gotten stuck in a little traffic on 35 South, right above Bear Creek. We had a gentleman that um, he needed some help. He was going through a lot of things in his life, and uh, he, he didn't want to be here anymore. And uh, we arrived, and we helped to solve the problem by getting him in touch with the people that can help him get through this rough time in his life. That's, that's what we do. And so uh, the police department, the fire department, our goal is to become the most professional, accountable, and transparent organizations in the country. Amen. That's our goal. Amen. All right. Thank you. Um, now, I know that it must be rough on families, being a wife yes. and, and uh, or husband or, uh, and children, uh, yes. policemen and firemen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one of the things we want to do is pray for the families. I guess all, all, all of you guys and girls married? We, we're, yeah. uh, we're, we're, we, we have families. We have mothers. We have fathers. Oh, we right. have sons. We have daughters. We mm-hmm. have cousins. We you know, we, we, uh, we have families, and, and they are our support group. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that we see during the day, um, sometimes it's hard for us to, to leave at the job, so to speak. And so yeah. we come home and we lean on them quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so uh, yeah. it's, uh, any prayer that you can, you know, provide for us right now would be great. Right. And I'll say this, letters of support. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm a young guy, but I'm an old-fashioned guy. I believe in a handwritten note, handwritten mm-hmm. letter. And so... Now, today is great that we're coming here and we're going to be, uh, you know, fed. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that. But any time during the year, if it's on your mind, what, you know, you know, to share with us your support, write us a note. Mm-hmm. Drop it off. And it's something I can provide to my officer. Maybe they're having a bad day. I can just say, hey, the community still supports you. Here you go. That's very good. All Bring right. You know, I wasn't going to go there, but yes, we love cookies, cake, pretty much any. Am I right, guys? Yeah. Amen. It's that time you say, amen. Amen. All right. We, that's all right. We exactly. We love, we love cookies. All right. Well, that's great. All right. Well, um, uh, we just want to, we, we do want to pray for all of you. And we, could we ask all of you to come on up here? Come up here and pray. You're not even going to have to make a speech or anything. Yeah. Just come up. And if you could just line up along here and let us... Uh, uh, have a prayer for you. Appreciate each one of you. God bless you. Yeah, Romero. Right? I thought I said Romeo at first. Yeah, God bless you. Bless you. Hey, God bless you. All right. All right. Let's stand together and let's just uh, take a time to pray for our first responders here. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for those that uh, have responded to your call and father whether they even recognize it as a call from you we know your scripture that we just read today says that you have ordained them you have set them apart to be those who protect us those who serve our community and uh, those who 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 help establish law and justice and order and father your word tells us to pray for them so that we might be able to live quiet and peaceful lives and we we long for that and we're grateful for the service they render and right now i do pray for each one i pray for their safety i know that uh every week they all of them put themselves in dangerous situations in harm's way and we pray for your physical protection to uh take care of them we also pray for their families for their mothers and fathers and sons and daughters, husbands, wives, 
and ask that you give to them a sense of uh, a depth in their relationship and a sense of peace for the ones that they love they're serving. And I ask, Father, that you'll help us as a church to uh, not just appreciate them, but also to serve them as they serve us. Help us to find ways to know ways, even as uh, Chief Dooley said, Father, that we might find ways to express our encouragement and our appreciation to each one of them. And we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. We're gonna, who's got a camera? Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> Y'all stay put. We're going to take a picture. Okay. Thank you so much. We had a young man that lived with us, a young a policeman from Red Oak who lived with us for about a year. And uh, you met him, didn't you? Yeah. And uh, he's, uh, he's moved back to the Memphis area, and he's going to be uh, applying for, to be on the Collierville Police Department. So we be praying for him. Uh, okay, we're going, to, uh, we're going to have just kind of a closing song. We're going to ask a prayer. I won't sing the invitation hymn as such, but we'll... Uh, We'll have a closing uh, song, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to close this service with prayer, and then I'm going to ask God's blessings on our food so that when you get over there, you don't have to wait for me to get there to pray. You can go ahead and start eating, okay, because the fruit, food is now being prayed for, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and again, y'all stay if you can. We I know that. You're busy, and I know you've got a lot going on, but if you can stay, our folks would like to meet you. I especially want our kids to have a chance to shake your hand and say hi. Yeah, and if you, if you have to go, get a plate to take with you, okay? We'll let you go through first, okay? All right, well, let's stand together again. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a closing song, and, uh, and then we'll head over to our fellowship hall to eat. Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for your word that is so clear to us as to the fact that you are over the state and the church. And God, help us if we ever come to the place in America where we remove you from either the state or the church and we begin to operate and function as if there were no God. And I pray that you will help both our officers, our firefighters, and our city council, and all of our government leaders to recognize that they are servants of you first, as well as servants of the people. And I pray, again, that you will bless our food. I thank you for this time of fellowship, and I pray that you will bless our food together and our, our fellowship together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.